Welcome. The parish is a church community in Alpharetta, Georgia, practicing the way of Jesus for the sake of others. Talks like these are just one part of how we gather to be deeply reshaped by Jesus. So we invite you to join us any Sunday morning for a full church gathering. You can find more information or contact us by visiting our website at parishanglican.org. Matthew 2, 1-12 Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in the Bethlehem of Judea. For so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is shepherd to my people. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so they may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Thank you, Alan. And you may be seated. O God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only Son to the people of earth. Lead us who now know you by faith to your presence, where we may see your glory face to face. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, since we last gathered, we have changed seasons in the Christian calendar. We've mentioned that several times this morning. We've left Christmas tide behind. We've entered into Epiphany. And Epiphany is not a word most of us use in our everyday vernacular, but I think most of us are relatively familiar with the, the sense of Epiphany, this startling, momentous, kind of jarring revelation of something that we maybe had not seen or fully understood before. Epiphany is like reality being undressed, and suddenly it's like we see what we could not see before. And so truth is made known like a flash of light at Epiphany. God is revealed for us. At Epiphany, God comes all the way to us. God takes on humanity like us. God is with us us through Jesus. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time just looking at lectionary stories of who Jesus is and how Jesus is, that God comes to earth. And not only does God come to earth, God comes to earth to show us an epiphany, a revelation, a manifestation of who and how God is 
toward his creation. And so we'll look at that over the, the coming weeks, and we'll start with this passage that Alan just read, the passage that we read every year for Epiphany, the story of the Magi following the star and being led to Jesus. And of course, this reading comes right on the heels of the birth of Jesus. Jesus has been born uh, at Christmas, and the text ends there with this idea that they are warned not to return to Herod in a dream, and so they depart and go home by another way. There's this sense of foreboding in the text. Uh, it's like a cliffhanger at the end of the episode, and we don't get to see it because the credits roll right there and the reading stops, but, uh, you know, scripturally, what goes on and what happens next is that Herod becomes completely paranoid and panicky at what is happening, and he orders the murder of all of the small children known as the holy innocents in order to protect his control and his power. And so Christmas begins as this celebration of light-hearted joy. We've got our candles, you know, we're singing, there's pageantry, there's simplicity. It is a silent, holy night. All is calm, all is bright, and then like, bam, epiphany. This jarring, startling announcement that there is a new king and that there are consequences to that, right? Joy to the world, the Lord has come, is great news, unless you're the Lord, right? Like, if you're already the Lord and you hear the new Lord has come, all of a sudden, uh, this may seem like a scary announcement. So I'm going to pick on Mike Nelson. He didn't know I was going to do this. You're welcome, Mike. Yeah, I know, I know. Come church, get picked on. I picked on Andy first service, so you're good. Uh, Mike, what is your job title? Director of Commercial Sales. Imagine Mike is at work tomorrow morning. He's just doing his Monday emailing and catching up and all of that. And someone knocks on the door and says, Mr. Nelson, I'm here to give gifts to the new director of commercial sales. <laughs> that happens a lot, yeah. Now, depending on how much you like your job, you might be like, he can have it. Like, I'm, I don't want it. Uh, but, like, that's what's happening with Herod here. Herod is the king of the Jews, he is, by Roman authority, the ruler of Judea, the province of Judea, under the emperor's authority, he is declared the king of the Jews. When the Magi show up, knock on his door, and say, we're here to worship the new king of the Jews. Right? This is unsettling. This is like, what? what, what? Like, what just happened to my career? I had, I had all these aspirations. I had just updated my LinkedIn, you know, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, he, his entire Status, his entire world has been knocked on its heels, and we see the paranoia, we see the panic happen. Herod uh, is a brilliant leader historically, but he's also bloodthirsty. And uh, it, historical scholars who have looked at Herod the Great have speculated that perhaps he had a personality disorder. Uh, because of how violent and ruthless he could be. And so there's no historical evidence that the slaughter of the holy innocents ever happened, but there's plenty of historical evidence that Herod the Great is the kind of ruler who probably wouldn't have hesitated to do something like that. And so that's where we find ourselves in the story. Let's start on verse 1 here, and we'll just go through it for a few minutes just reflecting on the passage, right? So we've got Herod the king, the magi come from the east, and they're like, where is the child who has been born with? Enter your job description here. We observed his star at his rising, and when King Herod heard this, he was frightened, of course. 
of course, and all of Jerusalem with him. And so for Herod, Epiphany comes like a terror in the night, like his time is up. And immediately, and a motif emerges here that's going to follow Jesus throughout his entire ministry. And the motif is simply that wherever Jesus goes, there is a clashing of kingdoms. Those who are in power versus this new way, this new kingdom that is being unveiled in the epiphany of Jesus. Okay, so for Herod, he's got a choice to make. He's got two options. He can lay his crown down. He can worship. He can give up the job title, as it were. Or he can fight like there's no tomorrow. He can either join the circle of worship or circle the wagons around his authority. And and we know what he does in the story. Uh, Okay, so there's the epiphany of Christ, who is the new king of kings. And then there's another part of the epiphany, another facet of the epiphany, which is the star. The star that shines to guide in a new way. And the magi are these wise ones. Uh, We don't really, there's a lot of lore around the magi, but there's not much we actually know. We don't know if there's three of them. They're not really kings. Uh, We don't really know if they're even male or female or perhaps a combination. But what we know is there are these magi. Every other place that word appears in scripture, it's translated as magician. So wouldn't you know it, the entitled baby Jesus ends up with a handful of magicians at his first birthday party. Like, isn't that what we all wanted when we were children? And Jesus, right out of the gate, he's got all the magicians there. Um, and, uh, and the Magi have studied the stars, right? They're perhaps astrologists or astronomists or they're, you know, they study the stars. They've got this lore behind them that this star is going to come. It's going to lead the way to a new king. And they see it. And so if you're going to find the new king, where, where would you go? of course, you'd go to the palace. You'd go to where the power is. You'd go to where the politics are. And this is the second motif that we see throughout the life of Jesus, that Jesus has a way of showing up where we least expect him. Jesus has a way of guiding us on the paths we would least uh, anticipate. And so we get this in verse five of our text here, that Herod calls his scholars together, and he's like, where, where is this king supposed to be born? And they say, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, you, Bethlehem, you, this small little tribe in the land of Judah, you are by no means least, though you may think that, right? Though it may be said that, you are by no means the least, because from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. And so there is this theme that emerges here that what had seemed the least, what had seemed left out, is the very place God shows up in power. And this new ruler comes, but he is not a ruler in the way of Herod. He is a ruler by another way, in the way of a shepherd. In the way of a shepherd. Uh, Let's go to 9 and 10, verses 9 and 10. When they'd heard the king, the wise men are kind of ordered by Herod to go, you know, find this new king. So they set out. They're ahead of them. They go to the star that they'd seen at the rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. Alan Bozak says that we are like the Magi. We have to search for God first in the places of power, the places of privilege, the places of success the places of safety and comfort. And then we find that it is not always in the high places that new creation and new life are birthed. Sometimes we are surprised at where we find those things. But our journeys always start with us going to the palace places. 
and then we find that that up and to the right reality is not always where we find God. And so Epiphany uh, is God exposing himself, being lit by the starlight, as it were, and showing who he is. But Epiphany is also exposing the bankrupt systems of power and coercive violence that try to rule the world that is brought into the light. Epiphany unveils the tendency to manipulate others for our own protection. That is exposed and brought into light. And then Epiphany unveils the mistaken assumptions of where we think we can find life. And I don't think any of us are setting out this morning to try to find power in the political realm. Like, I don't know of anybody here who's running for Congress or who's running for the president, or what, but I'd be fine to support your campaign if that is happening. Uh, but I think for us, we don't look for the overt power or authority, but on the inside, I want to feel powerful. On the inside, I want to feel put together. On the inside, I assume that God is going to be found when I can pull together the New Year's resolutions and kind of get my life put together. And uh, we find that God is inviting us through his birth itself, not only into the invitation to humility, but also into a prophetic critique that there is a way of this world and his way is different. And we are invited into the alternative Way. And so the Magi submit to the, the leading of the star. They submit to the leading of the star, though it is going different than where they would have expected it to go. And I wonder how often I kick against the leadership of the Holy Spirit when the Spirit is guiding me off of what I thought was my expected course. They walk in a way that they couldn't have before, and it's as if they are being formed in the following itself, in the very act of obedient response to where the star is leading them. The star goes five miles off course from Herod's palace. Herod's so close to the Epiphany, but he's so far away. Five miles away, Bethlehem. And they are led there. They find the, this, this new child, and, and in the process, they're being shaped to understand this Godward way. They're, they're seeing the signposts. They're learning to discern what this new way is all about, this new kingdom is all about. And now they're overwhelmed with joy that things actually turned out different than they would have scripted. And now they've been matured into those with discerning hearts, those with ears to hear. And now they're ready to lay down at the feet of Jesus what they have been treasuring and holding close for so long. And so it's not surprising that at the end of the story, what we get is that they suddenly can see something they couldn't see in the beginning. They have spent time being formed in the following, and now they see something about Herod's character that they couldn't see in the beginning. And, and through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, through the dream, through the discernment, they are warned to go home, and they go home by another way. And so as I reflect on Epiphany, I think of it as an invitation for us to be formed in the following that we might walk in another way that we might be led in a different approach to life. And one part of the story that strikes me is that the Magi seem to be the only ones who can see this star, right? Like, this story makes no sense. Uh, let's just, like, put that out there. There is apparently a giant beaming star in the sky, and no one sees it except for these followers. But isn't that just like it, right? Right? The way of God, the life of God, awareness of God right in front of us, and yet we're so distracted, and we're so consumed, and we're so focused on keeping our life together like Herod 
that we miss what is happening? Do we have the eyes to see it? And so perhaps this is less a story of astrology and astronomy and more a story of awareness and awakening. What does it look like for us to walk into a new year being invited into another way? And to do that takes tremendous intentionality. And so as we enter this new year, I think it's a natural time for all of us to pause and to go, what in my life is working? What in my life is not working? Where have my desires become disordered? Perhaps there's some obedience that I've been putting off. There's some whisper of the Holy Spirit that I have been kind of knowing is there and I'm being beckoned, but I've just kind of been keeping it at bay. This is a natural time for us to pause and go, how do I say yes to walking in another way? Uh, in the work, weeks ahead, we're going to reflect on that for our church community. So we began that today with what Andy was sharing about the vestry. Right? That's a, at an organizational communal level, we want to take a few weeks over the next few weeks and just say, like, this is who we are as a church, and let's take stock of that, and let's talk about what's working really well, and let's talk about things that are not working well in our common life together, and things like that. And so we'll be, we'll be sharing all of that. Uh, there's nothing loaded there. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no impending doom. That's just my way of saying, like, it's a natural time. For us to say, oh, we're a family. Let's talk about what that is and the things that we don't often give voice to. But I want to encourage that same intentionality in our own lives, each of our own lives. Uh, perhaps you have New Year's goals. My hope would not be that we simply wrap Jesus around what we wanted to be our goals anyway. I mean, that'd be fine. But, like, let's go a cut deeper. Let's, let's go a cut deeper uh, and consider where Jesus is inviting us. And so we'll pause here, and this will become our practice over the next few days. Uh, Epiphany is a season that lasts for 40 days at least. It goes directly into another season, Lent, which lasts for 40 days. And 40, whenever we see 40 in Scripture, that is simply an invitation to test the integrity of something, right? So when you see the Israelites in the wilderness, they're there for 40 years. When you see, uh, you know, the... uh, uh, Ark... (laughs) completely blanked out for a minute. I'm okay, I promise. Uh, (laughs) Noah in the ark, he's in there for 40 days. When you see Jesus in the desert, he's there for 40 days, right? So there's this time of testing. And I wonder here if we might be invited into testing the integrity of our own lives. So we're gonna put up a quote by my favorite guy, Eugene Peterson. I know you all love when I quote Eugene Peterson. and uh, I want to invite you to take a picture of the next screen that will come up, not this one. But let me, let me uh, get us started here. He says that 40 is a stock biblical word that has hope at its core. 40 days is a period for testing the reality of one's life, examining it for truth and for authenticity. And so I'll invite you to take a picture of this next slide that's going to come up. And I want to encourage you to spend some time with this. Uh, go ahead to the next one. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we'll put this on social media as well. But this is the continuation of his quote. And as I came across this recently, I thought, this is an epiphany invitation to be formed by another way, to be shaped into the kingdom. And he says this, is this a real life or just some cheap imitation passed off on me by sleight of hand culture? Is what I'm doing and saying my own or just borrowed from people who know less than I do about who I am and what I am, and I especially love this one, is God skillfully shaping and wisely guiding my life, the epiphany? Or have I let my untutored whims and infantile sins reduce me to the lowest common denominator? Wow. Is this the way I want to spend the rest of my life? And so what I want to encourage is as we enter this new year that we would all just pause and reflect 
God, how are you shaping me? Where is the star, so to speak, in my life leading me off of what I may have anticipated that I might be more formed in the following of Christ? And so, I'll leave you with that. And let's just take a moment here and pause. And reflect inwardly. listen for the guiding of the Spirit. Jesus, draw our eyes in a Godward way. Help us to see the light. Help us to name the dark. Help us to be formed by another way. And we offer this year to you. Guide us deeper into the revelation of Christ and God with us. We pray this in Jesus' name.